0: Part of our our desire for this podcast was to help the helpers, right? The people who are in helping professions, whether they're ministers or social workers or therapists or spiritual directors or caregivers of some kind, that we would be more equipped as helpers and healers to not re-traumatize people, right? When they come to us with their stories.
1: In today's episode of Discovering Wholeness, we'll discuss the sacred significance of engaging in trauma-informed care. We'll also let you know what you can expect from us in season one.
0: Season one of Discovering Wholeness is sponsored by the Hayden Institute. The Hayden Institute is a haven for seekers those who have heard the call or felt the tug to go deeper in their understanding of God, themselves, and others. Their programs, accessible online or in person, are well-suited for clergy, therapists, healthcare professionals, social workers, and anyone with an interest in spirituality or dream work. Lectures, small groups, and creative embodiment practices with the Hayden Institute will help you tap the rich wisdom within. Get more information at haydeninstitute.com h-a-d-e-n
1: haydeninstitute.com Welcome to Discovering Wholeness, a podcast for any human practicing being for healing trauma and unearthing self. I'm Kendra Frazier.
0: I'm Julian Drader. And I'm Kendall Rothis. We are your hosts and we invite you to join us as we peel back the layers of trauma
2: and discover our innate wholeness. Trauma has been a significant part of many of our journeys, whether those traumas are with a big T or with a little T.
1: We gather each week to discuss trauma, spirituality, and staying grounded as we heal ourselves and walk alongside those who are healing.
0: We're so glad you've joined us. You can participate in the larger conversation with us on Instagram and Facebook at Discovering Wholeness Podcast.
2: While well, we're so excited to talk with you because trauma is such an important topic. We recognize trauma is also a sensitive topic. And so we invite you into our centering moment and ask that you join us in our grounding exercise at the beginning ending of each episode. So as we begin, I just want to invite you to feel your feet on the floor, feel your physical body being held in the chair that you may be sitting on, wherever you might find yourself and just take in a deep breath letting go noticing your breath Coming into your body as we move into our time together.
0: Hello, everyone. We are so glad you are joining us. My name is Kendall Ray Rothis. I am an ordained minister, a feminist theologian an author, and a poet. I'm also a white, cisgender, queer woman living in Texas on traditional Wichita land. I'll be facilitating today's conversation, and we wanted to begin this first episode by telling you who we are and why we think this conversation about trauma matters. I've already told you a little about me. I'll add really quickly that In 2019, I left institutional church work as a pastor to begin private practice as a spiritual director, and now I work with individuals primarily to heal from religious trauma and reimagine their spirituality, so I'm super passionate and interested in this topic, although I feel the true wisdom bearers on this subject are my two incredible hosts, Kendra Frazier and Jillian Drager. I'm really excited to learn from them as we continue this conversation, and I'm just so honored to share space with the both of you. Those of you listening will quickly see what I mean. Kendra, will you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world?
1: Thanks so much, Kendall. Absolutely. Again, my name is Kendra Frazier. I am a Black, cisgendered, queer woman. Living in North Carolina on indigenous Catawba land, I am ordained in the Alliance of Baptist Denomination and a licensed social worker. I'm also the CEO of Kind Consulting, where we provide individual couples and family counseling, as well as trauma-informed trainings for churches and corporate entities, and additionally, executive listening sessions for corporate entities. And I am so excited to be present on this podcast with you and Jillian.
0: Thank you, Kendra. You are just one of my favorite people ever. So I'm so glad to be doing this with you. And Jillian, I'm wondering if you'll jump in now and tell us a little bit about who you are.
2: Thanks so much Kindle. Um, I too, as you were just saying, Kendra, I'm just so excited to be part of this with the two of you, Kindle and Kendra, who are two amazing individuals that I just am honoured to know and know as well as you were mentioning Kindle that there's wisdom in this space together and i'm just so honored to be part of it Um, i am a white cisgender straight female living and working as an uninvited guest on the unseated and traditional terry of the Stalo people in british columbia canada so i'm across the border for many of you listeners that are in the u.s i'm the canadian representative but i'm really happy to be here And I work in uh, my community as a registered clinical counselor. I'm in private practice and have been working with trauma for about 25 years with children, youth and adults in a lot of different settings. I've worked in schools and outpatient clinics, working in recovery. I'm also a spiritual director and uh, I'm very passionate about the intersection of spirituality and trauma in understanding that. And I know we're going to get into a lot more about that as we we talk together. Um, And just really excited to be here and so appreciative of this space and for each of you and all that we are going to be able to do together. So thanks, Kendall.
0: Thank you, Jillian. You have taught me so much already, so I'm excited for our listeners to get to learn from you as well. Um, We also want all of you listening to know why we're doing this podcast. And I think there are many reasons, but I wanted to begin by saying that trauma is a very personal thing for me. Um, I would say trauma wasn't even really on my radar for quite some time, but I am someone who has struggled with depression all her life. I first took antidepressants when I was 12 years old, but it wasn't until I was about 30, I think that I was going to therapy and also reading the book, the body keeps the score. And I made the discovery that for me, depression was a symptom of my trauma and that was like a game changer for me. I mean, not everyone's depression is linked to trauma, but mine certainly is and has been. And I'd I'd spent all these years in the dark about that. And so it was like I was trying to treat the depression as if it were the thing rather than getting to the root cause of the depression. And so, you know, once I understood that, it's not that my depression was magically fixed, but it was it was that for the very first time, I understood what was happening to me and I could see a path forward. And, you know, I still had a lot to learn about trauma and a lot of um A lot of ways to go on my healing journey, but it was like I went from wandering around in a forest in circles to finding the path that could lead me out of the forest. Um, So I just think this trauma work is um, so important. And I I believe in it, not just because of what I've seen in the people I've worked with, but because of how I've seen it transform my own life to understand better what I'm dealing with.
1: Thank you so much, Kendall, for lifting the connection between depression and trauma. Behavioral um, presentations, some can also be linked to trauma. Um, that's where my story lies. I was working at a level one trauma center in Atlanta, Georgia as a chaplain resident in the clinical pastoral education program. And one of my floors was a surgery ICU unit And I remember very vividly, it was the summer of 2010, I believe it was April, being at an interdisciplinary team meeting uh, with nurses and physicians and other folks that were working with a variety of patients. And this young man's chart had begun to be shared and they disclosed that he attempted to castrate himself. Um, with the saw. It was a very violent act. And I just remember being so shocked by the information. He was African American, 23 years old. And I was encouraged not to go see this young man. And of course, I decided to press my way because I was clear that he needed support, regardless of his family being from um, a very fundamentalist Christian background. I was warned that they may not welcome a woman clergy person coming to see him, but I went anyway. And we built um, quite a rapport over our um, two days together. Um, He began to disclose to me that he was having challenges integrating his spirituality and sexuality, and it felt like God had called him to be a eunuch, and he was using the scripture, Matthew 19, that talks about eunuchs and, and why eunuchs were created, and I remember just talking to him and hearing him go in between um, proof texting um, scriptures to me and saying that, you know, my same gender attraction is wrong, it's a sin, as well as asking me uh, to hook him up with a, a boyfriend. Um, this challenge that he was having with himself reminded me of my own challenge as a queer woman growing up in the Church of God church in North Carolina. And in working with him, I became clear that it was the religious trauma that he experienced that led him to want to dismember himself in such a violent way, which speaks to how trauma can can make us behave at times that goes against our humanity. Um, that is why I do the work um, that I do now with supporting LGBTQ folks, particularly in being able to heal through religious trauma, which I didn't have a language for in 2010. I didn't find out about the term until around 2014. Um, it was a term coined by Marlene Wienel, um over 20 years ago um, that lifts uh, this idea that those who are leaving a very um, dogmatic uh, religion and dealing with the damage of indoctrination um, experience. And she likens the, the symptoms to complex PTSD. And so um, I make it my part of my mission to support people who are navigating religious trauma.
0: Wow, Kendra, that is such a such a story. Um, I have also done a lot of work um, as a queer minister with other LGBTQ folks. And while I, I don't have experience with that extreme of an example, um, I think what you shared is, is a metaphor, you know, for what so many um, of our queer brothers and sisters and siblings are going through trying to to cut off, so to speak, a piece of themselves in order to continue to fit in to their faith. I think um, that's just a really powerful but heartbreaking story. Thank you for sharing. And Jillian, I'm wondering, too, what your thoughts are, what you would like to add.
2: Thanks, Kendall. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still sitting with what both of you have shared, just such um, honest and um, raw kind of experiences and I think for me I in similar ways to what you were sharing Kindle I became aware in my own journey that a lot of the anxiety and even when I looked back as a child I also struggled with depression I didn't know it at the time and nobody had the language for that in my family Um, and then later kind of came to understand through my studies what is trauma and it was like the scales kind of came off my eyes so many things made sense that I had experienced my own trauma and I just had no words for it and so I think the passion for me around understanding and bringing awareness of this topic is supporting people to be able to have language but also to let go of the shame of what I might think or what others might think they're not doing right or why can't I get over this or language that's maybe been spiritualized like you're just not spiritual you know there's sin in your life or um, all these kinds of words that have been so damaging and I spent a lot of years uh, prior even to my counseling practice overseas in various Christian ministry settings and observed without really understanding the ways that people were being shut down that they were being just kind of nullified in the sense of their experience and told that they just need to try harder like there's just something they're not doing and if they could just get that on track then god will heal them and then that not happening and the pain of that and the re-traumatization that people were experiencing and so then as I even went into the counseling world, um, I also then started to notice the ways that people were still not understanding what was happening for them. And and I've had so many clients that have maybe done traditional types of counseling for years, talk therapies, and and I know we're going to get into the details of some of those things as we go along, but just in tears in my office because I've, been able to offer them language and understanding that takes away this self-blame this shame this I'm just not good enough right enough whatever enough Um, and then I, I think as well just this desire for people within spiritual communities to understand this and make space for people to be able to heal in ways that are not just spiritual and a very very committed to bringing language as well around the wholeness that we are as people like we're whole people we're multi-dimensional whole people we're not just spiritual and so very many times um, whether it's been children that I've worked with who you know I, I can think of one family and one young boy who would just it was so tragic and he could you could see that he was suffering from complex trauma um, but he was just being ministered to so to speak there was a lot of prayer happening and it was you know there was a lot of language around spiritual warfare and and that young boy ended up in care and the families fractured and there was just no room for the possibility that there were psychological and emotional issues that needed to be really brought into awareness and dealt dealt with and healed um, along with whatever spiritual parts so it just feels very it's like it's visceral for me. I just get so uh, excited, but also agitated, I guess is the other word, about the ways in which people are re-traumatized um, in institutions and religious settings.
0: I just want to pause and, and mention, who is this podcast for? <laughs> because I know for me, when I first started learning about trauma and trying to sort of find my way through. I think I thought I didn't belong in the conversation. You know, like, oh, well, you know, I haven't been truly traumatized. Um and and so I just want us to name out loud who do we think this podcast is for and who is
1: invited into this
0: space? Uh, Kendra, what would you say?
1: I would say that this podcast is for anyone who is unsure Whether they've experienced trauma or not, Mm -hmm. I believe it is for anyone that has been wounded by a spiritual institution or been wounded in their workplace in a particular way. Um, I've been working with um, a a staff uh, from a small organization in New York who was severely impacted by the verbal abuse of their former CEO. And that imprint has lingered with the staff. And so it's for those people that are sitting in offices and not feeling respected, not feeling valued. Um, And I would say that it is also for those who have a desire to, to heal and no pun intended, but discover their wholeness.
0: Jillian, what would you add? Anyone else?
2: You know, I think that the other thing that comes to my mind as I, I hear Kendra, as I hear you sh- you speaking, and, and certainly I would absolutely agree with everything you said. And then there's a part of me that wants to say that this podcast is really for everyone, because there's something about the general population and, and people overall understanding what trauma is and how does it show up and... You know, what do I need to be paying attention to just in my life that I might be able to be an instrument of healing with my neighbor or somebody that I work with um, just because maybe I haven't experienced trauma, but I know what I'm seeing and so I can support others. So I think to add to what you're what you're saying, Kendra, definitely um, there, there isn't really anybody that doesn't benefit from understanding what trauma is and what it looks like so that we can be more sensitive to each other in general, as people?
1: I feel like this is the first time in the world um, over the past year that we have collectively and globally experienced trauma. Mm. This pandemic has been traumatizing for All of us. It has disrupted our normal rhythms of living. Um, Being sheltered in place and being isolated from family and friends has exacerbated some people's anxiety and depression. Other people have experienced new diagnoses um, and agoraphobia from not being able to leave. Um, the, The complex nature of grieving now because there's so many um, compounded losses in the midst of death and dying, in the midst of um, being uh, becoming unemployed. Uh, there has been so much trauma um, over the past year. And I'm so glad that this podcast is available to everyone to, to learn new ways to be able to cope and to have a community that you can reach out to um, where people you know people can relate.
2: That's so great, Kendra. And just to piggyback a little bit on what you're bringing up, what I'm noticing with a lot of people, um, and I would say even for myself, is any of these issues that we may have been carrying or holding, and we've been distracted by work or life, or you know we've kind of been doing our thing. It's not as easy to do that right now. So. Things are really escalating and coming to the surface. And so for any of the listeners who are wondering, like, why am I so much more agitated? Never mind the fact that we're in a global pandemic and everything's changing every other day and there's all of that. But there's also those potential underlying unresolved voices and parts of ourselves that are now, they can't be silenced because there's nowhere for them to go. And so it's not unusual for people to maybe have experienced intensifying and more... Um, present feelings, stresses, anxieties, or or issues in general that they have just not been able to to put away so easily. So it's totally normal if that's what's happening for people because we're all kind of in the same situation.
0: Yes, thank you, Jillian. Um, I think you both highlighted the timeliness of this conversation. Um, We're all more aware of trauma, I think, than... um, we were even a year and a half ago because of the things we've undergone collectively. And then my hope is that as we learn about trauma, because of, of these collective experiences, we become better equipped and more able to deal with um, our own traumas and also the trauma of, of those around us. Um, you know, I've, I've been thinking about how part of our, our desire for this podcast was to help the helpers, right? The people who are in helping professions, whether they're ministers or social workers or therapists or spiritual directors or caregivers of some kind, that we would be more equipped as helpers and healers to not re-traumatize people, right? When they come to us with their stories and their tender um painful memories. And, um, and you don't have to be a, a, a professional helper, right, to encounter this. It may, it may be your partner. It may be a friend. Um, so really all of us, all of us need to be better equipped. Um, I've been thinking about one of the things I encounter a lot in my work as a pastor is that so many people, when they disclose their trauma to someone, whether it's a pastor or a friend, the first person they tell their trauma to is often utterly unequipped to respond well. And these very well-meaning people end up re-traumatizing the person who came to them for help. They don't mean to do that. They just don't know any better. They don't have good information about trauma. They don't have a skill set for responding. And uh, so like an example that I've been thinking about in religious contexts is someone will disclose abuse of some kind, you know, domestic abuse or okay? rape. And the first thing they get told is that they need to forgive their abuser. This actually happened to me personally, but I've also seen it repeated over and over in the people that I work with. And the thing is, that's just not what a traumatized person needs to hear in that moment. Forgiveness is a complex process, right? And and trying to force it onto someone before they've even had the opportunity to process and grieve what has happened to them simply doesn't work, and in fact, might cause even further damage. I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't you say, uh, Kendra and Jillian, that that can be really harmful when we when we push people towards forgiveness? But yet, that's often the sort of go to. Chris, "Quote unquote Christian
2: response." Yeah, I I totally agree, Kendall. Um, and it is really hard. I would say that that's been um, one of the the most heartbreaking things to to watch. And it's so it shuts people down so quickly. Because what do you do with that? You know, now you're being invited into something that just feels so so big. And yet, I agree that it's just often a lack of awareness um, and I've definitely seen that in a, in settings you know where people have come forward and it's takes so much courage like it's such a brave step to talk to tell somebody and to be able to share those deep dark hard places and then to have that kind of a response is just it's it's just damaging and yet I hear what you're saying people don't intend necessarily to do that that's not but it's just so hard to watch um and to then to try to undo it feels to me like when I hear those things happening um when people share their experiences of it's like it just all gets pushed down even further and so it's even harder than and it's even more um feels more vulnerable it feels more intimidating to to bring that up to the surface because it's got a little bit further to go and it'll be a hundred times more risky because the first time it wasn't received well so um, you know I think it just again speaks to the courage of people that I've watched and walked with that have just in spite of it all um, decided to heal and that's you know a big part of what we're talking about here is that that innate wholeness that we carry and how do we how do we draw on that and pull that out but yeah it's it's a hard thing to watch
1: I definitely agree with you both. Forgiveness um, is a process and traumatized folks typically do not start there, um, if not at all. Um, I believe that that pastor's response to you, Kendall, and to anybody else who has experienced a spiritual leader saying forgive um, someone who has done harm to them speaks to the spiritual leader's own discomfort. Um, withholding space, you would think that empathy would be the first response to say, you know, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. And one of the best questions that I feel like anybody has asked me, particularly when they have no idea on how to help, is how can I best support you in this moment? It gives the person space to either tell you I don't know or either give you some things that they may need. Maybe they need resources. Maybe they just need presence and someone to listen to. Um, I think that that is why it's so important for people, particularly spiritual leaders and people in general, to know what it means to be trauma informed, to know what it means to 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 not re-traumatize people, which is what you spoke to earlier, to know what the signs and symptoms of trauma look like, to be able to recognize them, to know the, even be able to realize the widespread nature of trauma. Because everybody walking in the world, I believe, has been impacted by a traumatic experience, whether that is directly or indirectly. And so it's important for us to be able to know how to communicate to someone else when they're coming to us saying, you know, I experienced a trauma and this is how I'm feeling about it.
2: Kendra, I'd love to add to what you just said, um, because I so appreciate you pointing that out. And the other piece of that that comes up for me is the importance of leaders in whatever capacity doing their own work, me doing my own work. Because if I'm not doing my own healing work and I've, I'm not um, taking care of that part of my journey, I'm going to be more reactive or I'm going to be more triggered by somebody coming to me and sharing. And that's a, not, that's a space where I could easily kind of project and place onto somebody else my unresolved anxieties, my unresolved, you know, everything that comes up for me. So I, I just... I'm aware that that's something that I I really emphasize with some of the therapists that I supervise and other leaders that I work with, and not to say I have it all figured out because I'm doing my own work always, but just that importance of doing our own work, having good um, therapy ourselves or good spiritual care and having a support group and a peer group and people to go to so that we're not laying our own stuff on other people when they come to us that we're clear and we're solid and we're grounded and you know we don't have to be perfect we don't have to have it all figured out but at least be in that space of i'm um, i'm aware and i'm i'm aware of what comes up for me so that i can hold space for other people
1: thank you so much for that jillian for reminding us that the folks that do and endeavor in the work of healing need to also be intentional about their own healing. Um, It has been my experience that spiritual leaders, particularly pastors um, who are intentional about their healing and um, really being honest about the dysfunction that exists in their lives that may stem from childhood adverse experiences they model um, the church after the dysfunctional spaces that they grew up in, has been my experience that the church becomes this place that um, is, disrupted by the ways that um, I think a lot of pastors don't know how to deal with conflict or management, manage it, that don't know how to use healthy communication skills. Um, It is not lost on me that so many people who work alongside pastors have been damaged and hurt by pastors and by people in the church who have not dealt with their own issues. So thank you for that.
0: I hope all of you um, have gotten a sense of why this is such an important subject. We have so much more to talk about, Um, but first we're going to take a little bit of a breather. Some of these stories are a little bit heavy. Um, So Jillian, will you lead us into
2: an exercise? Thanks, Kendall. Yes, as we transition from this conversation that that can be disconcerting. It can bring things up for us as we hear these stories. That's. um, We just want to be mindful of that. I just invite you again to place your feet on the floor. Feel your body in the chair, wherever you might be sitting. Take in another deep breath. Notice how that feels. And now I just invite you to Just notice something around you, just using your senses. Maybe there's a picture on the wall. Maybe there's something outside your window if you're by a window. Just notice something in your room that you can name. Something that you can maybe hear. Maybe there's something you can even smell in your room. Maybe you have coffee going or just something to be bringing you back into your body. If you need to get up and move around, that can be helpful too, but just know that it's okay if you're feeling a little discombobulated, that's my official professional word, but we also wanna just take care of ourselves as we move through this conversation. Are you a woman in ministry and looking for wholehearted connection with peers, ones who get the ups and downs of vocational life? At Root, Grow, Thrive, nourish your soul with retreats, groups, spiritual direction, workshops, and more. Get inclusive, embodied, trauma-informed care. Root, Grow, and Thrive at rootgrowthrive.com.
0: Welcome back to the Discovering Wholeness podcast. I'm Kendall Rothis. I'm here with Kendra Frazier and Jillian Drader, your co-hosts. And we are so glad you have tuned into this conversation with us. It has been so rich already, although we've barely begun. There's so much more to talk about. And we want to invite you to participate in our upcoming episodes in this season. And just to give you a little bit of an insight into what what's coming. I'm wondering if, Kendra, will you tell us some of the topics we'll be discussing in upcoming episodes?
1: Absolutely. We have some wonderful topics coming up that I'm sure you won't want to miss. Um, the next conversation we'll be having to be centered around the wounded pastor and the wounded caregiver. We'll also be taking a look at what it means to be a wounded seeker. Uh, We'll talk about trauma responses and spiritual care, and actually in the next episode, we'll begin identifying a bit more what trauma is. We'll also look at healthy trauma-informed spiritual care and what that looks like to create safe space and spiritual community, Um, as well as we'll also be looking at consent and spiritual care and the history of consent-based religious experience. And then we'll also take a look at racism and intergenerational trauma. Uh, We'll look at church as a safe space versus a toxic space, church as a healing space versus a harming space. And then we'll also um, dive deeply into transforming toxic church environments into trauma-informed healthy spiritual spaces. And then lastly, we'll look at burnout in spiritual care.
0: So as you can see, we have a lot plans
2: I think I just feel really excited and hopeful that we're bringing awareness to people and that that is going to trickle down into happier relationships, healing relationships, understanding, compassion. Um, I've always felt that information is power and that this is an opportunity for us to really make a difference in how people are relating to each other and how they're being received and held and journeyed with in their healing. Um, So I think in general, that's, I'm just excited to be taking the scales off eyes in the same way that I experienced that years ago when I came to this understanding, it was freeing.
0: Yes. Thank you, Jillian. I keep thinking how it would have been such a great benefit to me as a seminary student to have access to this kind of conversation and this information. And I would have been able to enter into my work so much better informed and well-equipped to work with people. So I hope that um, all of you are also benefiting from this conversation. We hope you'll join us for our next episode, which will be about diving deeper into what trauma is, how it gets expressed And as we close out today's session, I'd like to invite Kendra to help us close the container, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Kendall. As we close this episode, in this moment, we invite you to simply place your right hand over your heart and just breathe in to the awareness of the warmth that you feel against your hand. And say aloud, I am whole. I'm Kendra Frazier.
2: I'm Jillian Drader.
0: And I'm Kendall Raffus.
2: We are Discovering Wholeness,
1: Healing Trauma, Unearthing Self. Join us in conversation at Discovering Wholeness Podcast on Instagram and Facebook.
2: Discovering Wholeness is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Learn more at goodfaithmedia.org.
0: If you are in crisis and need help in the United States, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255.
2: Five, five. In Canada, call the Center for Suicide Prevention at 1-833-456-4566. That's 1-833-456-4566.
1: You can also use the Crisis Text Line from either country by texting the word HOME to 741741. That's HOME. H-O-M-E to 741-741 to access a crisis counselor 24 hours a day, seven days a week.